Welcome to the Citizens Youth Podcast. Citizens Youth is a ministry of Life Point Church in Vancouver, Washington. Citizens is a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. We meet every Wednesday at 7 p.m. To find out more, check out lpcvan.com forward slash youth. So anyway, my name is Sam. Really glad you guys are here, guys. Really glad. We are citizens. We are a community of students who, yes, we have fun, all right? And you'll, you'll get to know us. Um, you'll get to know us. We have fun. We know how to party, right? We love Jesus. That's why we're here. Ultimately, we have fun. We love connecting. But we are a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. He's our king. He's our Lord. And so everything that we do here is working to help us learn how to follow Jesus more fully. And so um, I want to let you guys know about a few things that are going on this month, all right? How many people know what this weekend is? It is, it is time for Easter's, okay? So this Friday, everybody say Friday. Friday. This Friday, we will be at Life Point Church for our Good Friday service. So right here in the main gathering, 7, what time? 7 p.m. You're graduating, buddy. Uh, 7 p.m. And uh, we'll be here at Life Point. And then on Sunday, on Sunday, we are going to throw a party, okay? Sunday morning, we are celebrating. And for those of you who don't know, maybe you're not a Christian, maybe you're kind of new to this whole church thing, and you're just trying to learn stuff. Easter is that we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so if that's not a reason for celebration, I don't know what is, right? We believe here at Citizens, and again, if you're new here, you're going to think this is kind of radical. You're going to think, who are these people? But we believe something that's pretty interesting. We believe that Jesus Christ literally rose from the dead, right? Like for real. Like, not like metaphor, not like in our hearts he rose from the dead. Like, no, no, we believe that Jesus Christ literally, his dead body, he was resurrected and he's still alive to this day and he's coming back. And so Easter Sunday is the day every year that we celebrate. I mean, I guess we celebrate every day, don't we? But we celebrate especially on Easter. And then here's the cool thing that we're doing. We have 21, no, 23 Students, Dave and Tally are getting baptized. We have 23 students who on Easter Sunday, they're going public with their faith. They're getting into it. Yes, give it up, dude. We have 23 students who have heard the claim of Jesus. Austin, you're getting baptized, right, brother? Dude, I'm pumped, man. We're gonna have a fatty party, buddy, all right? For you. We have, 23, we have 23 students who have heard the claims of Christ, who believe that Jesus is who he said he is, and they said, for the rest of my life, I'm going to follow him. And so we're going to party, all right? We got people getting baptized. And so, friends, be here on Sunday. Invite your families out. Be here for the party. We're going to celebrate. Um, and at the end of the gathering, when people are going down in the front and they're getting in the tank, like, all, all bets are off, man. We're down there. We're cheering. We're taking pictures. It is a celebration. It's a family moment because we're a family. And we've been brought into the family of God. And so our lives are forever changed. So we got uh, Easter coming up. Uh, and then where are my ladies at? Let me hear the ladies. All right. What if I just volunteered you to like do something crazy, right? You know? I need a million cookies baked right now. Woo! Right? I'm just kidding. But here, ladies, we got an event coming up called the Mother Daughter Tea Party. Okay? So if you are a mother or a daughter, you need to be here in this room April 22nd, April 22nd at 11.30, all right, at 11.30, and so check it out, on your way out, ladies, listen up, ladies, you can come with your moms, you can come with your grandma, or you can come with your great-grandma, you can come with your dad dressed up as a mom, but we want you here, all right? If you don't have a mom who's available that day, we got moms for rent, okay? We got our youth staff ladies who are gonna be here and they're hosting tables. So if you are a lady, say, yeah. Yeah. You will be here, right? Yeah. So Lila's gonna be at the back of the gym uh, after the gathering. You guys can sign up and make that happen. So um, yeah. Sound good? You guys feeling it? All right, Citizens is more than just on Wednesday. Citizens is a community, and we're doing this together. And so right now, we're about to do, you guys are like responsive today. I hope this translates into the message, right? 
All right, I hope so, I feel the energy. So here's what we're gonna do. We're about to do the most important thing. Literally, we're about to do the most important thing that we can possibly do as a community of students, all right? I'm all about the tea party, okay? I'm all about the, the candy shop out in the, uh, in the lounge. I'm all about basketball, I'm all about candy. But listen, there is nothing, everybody say nothing. nothing. There is nothing more important than the time we come to in our gatherings where we open up our Bibles and we hear what God would say to us through the word, all right? And so if you don't have your Bible, um, bummer, you need a Bible, all right? Dude, you, if you're new to citizens, you will feel very lost very fast if you're not following along in your Bible, all right? And so today I'm gonna help you out. I'll have the words there on the screen. But what we're gonna do, it's very simple, all right? And at the same time, very beautiful. We're gonna open up the Bible. We're gonna figure out what God is saying in this and then we're gonna figure out what are we gonna do about it, all right? If I walk up to you and I'm like, yo, Brenda, how you doing? You doing good? You doing good? Hey, like, don't panic, but real quick, I just want you to, I wanna tell you something. I have a message for you. You got a humongous booger hanging off your nose. Don't freak, don't panic, right? What am I saying? She has a booger. The most important question, what is she gonna do about it, right? And so what we do is when we look at the word, it's as if God, through his word, he's looking at you and he's looking at your heart and he's telling you something about himself. He's telling you something about the world. And if you look at the mirror and you go, oh, I got a little, okay. And then you walk away and don't do anything about it. It's kind of foolish, right? And so every week we look at the word and we say, God, what are you saying to me? What's your word to me? And then what am I going to do about it? And so we're currently in a series called Fear the name, fear the name. Commonly confused for a heavy rock band from the 1970s, but I assure you it's not. It's the name of our series here at Citizens. We're going to the book of Malachi, all right? And so I'm gonna invite you, open up your Bibles to the book of Malachi. Um, for those of you who did not feel it when you sat down, here are some notes, all right? So again, if you're new, you're gonna be looking around and people are like taking notes and they're paying attention. We don't really play on our phones during this time because we know ourselves and we are all ADHD, amen, right? None of us can really withstand the temptations of our cell phone, so you're not gonna see much of that, but we'll take notes and let's see what's going on. So you guys ready? Are you ready for real? Like, are we, are, are we gonna come into the Bible here, the Bible time with some anticipation? Oh, don't leave me now, right? Avery, you with me? All right, let's do this, let's pray. Father, Lord, thank you, God. Thank you for this community of students. Lord, it is beautiful to look out and see us all together, Lord. I thank you that you're growing us, Lord, not just in numbers, but you're growing our hearts. Lord, I pray for every student here, God, that today would help them. For every student here who's following you, Lord, who's striving to live for you, I pray that your word would be like food for their souls. I pray that your word would give them strength. It would warn them. It would exhort them. It would call them to live in a way that is pleasing to you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It's been said that everything rises and falls on leadership. Everything rises and falls on leadership. How many of you guys have ever been a part of something with bad leadership? A team, a classroom, my family. No, right? <laughs> You've been a part of some of the bad leadership. How many of you have been part of something with tremendous leadership? Good leaders. Good, all right. And so you guys know, right? Leadership, leadership has the ability to make something incredible. But leadership also has the ability to cripple something, right? Leadership has the ability to take a group of people and no matter how hardworking they are, no matter how well-meaning they are, leadership can just sabotage everything. I've heard a story, let me see, oh, no pictures here. Maybe we wanna double check those slides as I do this to make sure we have all of them, but I heard a story about a, a ship in the Navy, right? There was a ship in the Navy, and it was at night, and the commander, the commanding officer, he was asleep, because that's what they do at night, and so while he's asleep, there are still people driving the boat, right? There are still people steering the ship. On this particular night, one of the seamen, the guys who worked on the boats, he had six months left on his, on his contract and he was gonna be a civilian and he was goofing off, he crashed the ship. 
Next day, files are reported, accidents are, are assessed, and guess who gets fired? The commanding officer who was asleep. Bummer, huh? This kind of thing happens all the time on sports teams, right? We've seen, I, I hope I don't offend anybody here with, with this picture, but we understand how important leadership is for a bad football team, right? Am I, am I right? So you see, you see teams like the San Francisco 49ers who they win three games on the season. At the end of the season, who's fired? Coach Jim Harbaugh. I mean, you just look at this guy, obviously, he looks like a man who's about to be fired, right? <laughs> this dude is like, yeah, I'm surprised he wasn't bald by the this season. But this dude, he never took a snap. He never threw a ball, he never threw a block, he never caught a pass, he never stepped one foot on the field. Eh. He never played one second on the field, and yet at the end of a horrible season, who gets fired? The coach. Because we know that ultimately everything rises and falls on leadership. Whether it's a sport team or the Navy, when failure happens, we look to the leaders because the people are following the leader. And so if there's a mess here, where are we gonna look? We look to the leadership. As the leader goes, so goes everyone else. There are leaders in every context, right? Sports teams, classrooms, families, your work environment, church. Everything has leadership. And the family of God is no different, okay? There's leadership even in the family of God. God has always appointed people, right? In God's family, he's always appointed people. And he said, you, hey, you, 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 come here. I'm gonna set you apart. You're the leader and you are going to help lead people to me. Hey, you, 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 hey, come here. You're going to be the leader and I'm designating you as the person who others will follow and you will teach them how to follow me. There's leadership in the family of God. And in our book today, the book of Malachi, we're gonna find one of these leadership positions, okay? It's not coach, it's not king, it's not captain, it's not commander. The name of this leadership position is the priest. And so we're gonna run into these characters named the priests. Now, anybody here appreciate a good origin story, right? Like how many of you guys are more into the prequels to things than the actual things? Yeah, right? Dude, most disappointing movie that never happened, Robin Hood? right? They created a sequel or a prequel and then there was no quill, right? Dude. Anyway, so I want to give you a little background here, right? Where did the priest come from? Why did God create this leadership position? You got to go back to the time of my homeboy named Moses, right? So Moses, he strolls into Egypt, right? And he's like, let my people go. Boom, right? They're all out. There's plagues. There's a fallout. Whoosh, the sea. Walked through the sea. Egyptians, they followed the leader. It was a horrible game. Ended in death, right? So now they're on this side. Uh, fast forward 40 years of foolishness, and they're here. And they're about to enter the promised land, a.k.a. the land that he promised them, Right? Super creative, the way they do the names, right? And so he's here. And there's 12 tribes, right? Jacob had 12 sons. They all formed their own tribe. You got Benjamin. You got um, Levi. You got Judah. You got all these dudes, right? And so they're going in. They're like, all right, Moses, here we go. What time is it? Game time, right? What time is it? Game time. We're about to go into the promised land. And so he's like, all right, there's 12 of you guys. We're going to split you each up. So Judah... You get to go to the northwest of Israel, right? You, I'm going to cut you off a chunk of land there. You go to the northwest, and it's probably going to rain a ton, right? Boom, he goes. Benjamin, all right, homeboy, you're going to go down here. I'm going to put you in the south. So you probably means you'll talk funny, do a lot of weird things, and eat weird food, right? You go, boom, right? And so three and four, and he sends 11 tribes, and he sends them over, right? And he gives them each a portion of the land. And then this last tribe walks up, right? He's like, presenting the tribe of Levi, right? And Moses is like, all right, yeah, I, I, um, let me look through my notes from the mountain. God said, El, Levi, oh, it's Levi. Moses, where are we going? Tell us, tell us where our plot of land is. Levi, funny you mention, um, you're not getting any land. What? Mo Moses, <laughs> Where are we going to live? I mean, 
we have to have land, right? And Moses says, actually, Levi, God has a special arrangement for you. God is not going to give you a plot of land. God is not going to give you a part of the country to live in. God is not going to give you your own acreage and homestead. God is going to make a special arrangement with you. You are going to serve as the priests. So instead of land that you grow your own food, you're going to live in my house. You're going to live in the tabernacle. You get to live in the temple. And the food that I eat, the food that people bring me, that will be your food. The land that I have, that will be your land. And me and you are going to have a special arrangement. I'm going to give you life. I'm going to give you peace. You are going to experience the blessing of helping other people connect to God. And in exchange, on the other side of this agreement, here's what I want from you, Levi. Lead people to me. Here's what I want from you, Levi. I want you to use your words. I want you to use your example. I want you to help people connect to me. Here's what I want you to do, Levi. I want you to teach people how to honor me. I want you to teach people what it looks like to live a life that is pleasing to God. I want you to teach them how to worship, how to love, how to honor me. Is this not a privilege? All right, how do you think Levi's feeling after hearing this, this uh, special arrangement? Good, right? This is a privilege. This is very special. He says, Levi, this is your job. That's the prequel. And so now fast forward, we're here in the book of Malachi, and for those of you who haven't been with us during this series, everything that I just described isn't happening, right? Levi, teach them how to love God. They're not loving God. Levi, teach them how to honor me and how to fear my name. They're not doing any of that stuff. And so we come to the book of Malachi and we've learned that, <laughs> we, we've kind of had some funny stories with it, right? Like, instead of them bringing like worship to God with these perfect sacrifices and that's, like there's kind of this attitude in their hearts and it's revealed in their hands and they're going, yeah, it's just God, right? And so we talked about a few weeks ago how instead of bringing these like perfect animals to God, they go, God, this is how much I love you. They're like, hey, Susie, the lamb doesn't have a, a fourth leg. It's born lame. What do we do with it? Nah, get rid of it on the altar. Bring it to God. He don't mind, right? Oh, Susie, our cat just got its head cut off. Uh, what do I do with the carcass? Yeah, just bring that to the sacrifice. That's good enough for God, right? And so here are all these people who are quote unquote worshiping God and they're bringing these things and it's like, right? There's like boils on their sheep and, and oh God, yeah, I had some good lamb, but uh, this one's blind, take it, right? And like what, the picture we had was that they're bringing trash on God's altar, this is how they're worshiping God. It's trash. The things in their hands are revealing their heart attitude. They don't fear God. And so if you're paying attention, here's my question to you. If this is the situation in Israel, if this is the mess, if this is the disaster that's going on right now, and we want to get to the bottom of it, where do you guys think we should look? Where do you think we should look? just like a football team, just like in the Navy, where do we look? We look to the leaders. And that's exactly what we're gonna do in our text here today. We're taking a look to the leaders and warning, spoiler alert, it's not pretty. You guys ready? Let's take a look at it. Starting in verse one, starting in verse one. And now, O priests, this command is for you. There's the priest. If you will not listen, if you will not take it to heart to give honor to my name, says the Lord of hosts, then I will send the curse upon you and I will curse your blessings. Indeed, I've already cursed them because you do not lay it to heart. <laughs> Behold, I will rebuke your offspring and spread dung on your faces, the dung of your offerings, and you shall be taken away with it. So shall you know that I have sent this command to you that my covenant with Levi may stand, says the Lord of host. First thing we see in our text here, the priests are failing epically, and they're experiencing the consequences. These priests, they're supposed to teach people how to honor the name of God, and they're failing epically. And so God says, this is the command I'm giving you. 
wake up. Priest, listen to me. Listen to the guy. If you don't listen, listen. He's calling them to wake up and realize that they are failing epically. And why are they failing epically? Look at the text. He says, you will not take it to heart to give honor to my name. They're not teaching people how to honor the name of God because they don't honor the name of God. Do you see it? They can't teach people to do something that they themselves are not doing. They're failing epically. So again, for those of you who are new, these are a couple of core concepts here that we need to get, right? You will not understand the book of Malachi if you don't understand these words, okay? To honor someone means to recognize the weight and the importance of the position. I honor that position, right? The opposite of honor, he's not that big of a deal, right? He's not that big of a deal. So if the president of the United States walks in, right? If the prime minister of Malaysia walks through our doors, right? And we honor him, we would probably stand up and be like, whoa, he's a big deal. That's called honor. We are feeling the weight. Whoa, this is a big deal. We're feeling the weight of his position. But for all of you who stay seated and throw your arm back and go, what's up, man? He's not that big of a deal. He's not, I mean, I don't need to stand up. You know, it's just the prime minister of Malaysia, whatever. That's not honor. You see it? You get it? That's what honoring means. The next word we hear that we use a lot here is fear. A feeling of profound respect and reverence for authority. Fear in the scriptural sense does not mean I'm scared of an abusive person, right? Like Chris Haney, I fear him in a different way, right? Chris Haney is a brute, okay? He can destroy me. So I have a healthy fear there, but that's not the kind of fear that the Bible's talking about. The fear here is saying, shh, this is not a light person, right? There's reverence here. There's authority. And so the priests, they do not honor or fear God. So how can they teach other people to go? Are you starting to get a picture of why Israel's bringing trash to the altar? Can you understand why they're doing this? Because that's where the leaders are. The leaders, the ones who are supposed to teach God's people, they have no honor for God in their hearts. Do you guys know what a hypocrite is? Yeah? Have you guys ever tried to listen to a hypocrite? How many of you guys know a hypocrite? Right? How's that going for you? <laughs> right? Have you ever had anybody try to tell you to do something that they themselves weren't able to do? Right? It's like you want to say to those people, hey, hey I'm sorry, I, I can't hear what you're saying because your actions are speaking so loudly. Right? I, I'm sorry, I, I can't really understand what you're telling me because I'm seeing something completely different. That's what it's like in Israel right now, right? They're supposed to be telling someone to do something. They're supposed to be showing them, and yet they themselves, they're hypocrites. They do not honor or fear the name of God. That's why God is taking this so seriously, because you cannot lead someone somewhere that you yourself haven't been. And so the Israelites, they're failing epically. And God is going to hold them responsible for it. Look at the consequences that they face here, right? He says, I'm going to curse your blessings. If you don't listen, if you don't just wake up here and change your ways, if you don't listen, I'm going to curse your blessings. As a matter of fact, I've already started to curse them because you don't lay hold of this. And look at the curses, right? Look at the way that he's reversing their blessings. He says, I'm going to rebuke your offspring. How many know what offspring is, right? How many people have offspring here, right? All the 15-year-olds are like, no, right? Offspring is your children. And so anybody have a family business, right? Who has family business? What's the family business? Sign advertising. Okay, cool. Family business? Who else? Yeah. House cleaning. Okay, anyone else? Landscaping. How many generations up do those go? Anybody have like a farm and it's like been passed down from like your great, great, great grandfather? Oh, there you go. Okay, cool. Are you going to take over the family business one day? Right? No. I don't want to be a farmer. Right? Suck it up. You will. Right? Spread dung on your faces from the cows out there. Right? So there's family businesses, right? And we've seen movies about how family businesses have been passed down for years, and then you get to that one generation, how they feel. They're like, 
Uh-uh. Mm-mm, not me. Not me, right? I don't want to do sign advertising. I don't want to be my own man and move to the city and hit it big, right? In this culture, the Levites, this was the family business. You got to be a priest if your daddy was a priest. You got to, it got passed down from generation to generation. And yet, this is the consequence. He says, you guys are such fools right now, I'm gonna rebuke your offspring. I'm gonna take this away from you. Your family line, I'm gonna cut you off. Your children will not serve here. That's a consequence. Look at the next consequence. This is rated M for mature in the Bible. For those of you who don't read your Bibles, if you're here and you're one of the kids that go, I just feel like the Bible is so boring. You're not reading the right parts, all right? Listen to the consequence here, okay? I'm gonna start from verse three. Behold, I will rebuke your offspring and spread dung on your faces. I will spread dung on your faces, the dung of your offerings, and you shall be taken away with it. What does dung mean? No, it means what it means, right? <laughs> What's the, the theological significance of the word dung? Uh, dung, right? I had a poopocalypse a couple weeks ago. Um, it's just par for the course with a two-year-old, and I was, I was actually on the counter talking with my dad, right? And my son was awfully quiet. And I was like, Micah? And so I run around the corner, and he's there playing at the bottom of the steps. And he's just playing with the shoes. He likes to put on shoes. You know, I have a little two-year-old, and he gets frustrated that the size 12s don't fit him. But hey, he's going to figure it out one day, right? So he's playing with the shoes. I go, all right, awful suspicious. Kind of quiet. Usually he's like talking to himself. Blah, 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 right? And it's just, he's just quiet. And so I should have known something was going on down there, you know? But he's just quiet. And so I come back, and I'm FaceTime with my dad. And I'm, and I'm talking to him, and I just go, right? I'm like, Dad, I'm smelling. And I turn around, and Micah, Micah is standing there, staring up at me with the most fear a two-year-old can muster, like this. And he's just, Daddy? Daddy? He wasn't giving me a present. This dude was scared, right? I didn't know what to do, right? He just literally had dung in his hands. And so I, I literally panicked. Like, if you know me, I can do anything except poop, all right? I mean, I'll clean up vomit. I will skydive. I will mop the floor. Poop, I'm out. My wife was gone, though. Where's Mixtape? Mixtape, you here? He's my witness. He shows up. This was two minutes before he comes to small group. So he shows up. He's like, ding dong. I'm like, wait a minute, right? I can't talk right now. He just walks in. Samuel, okay? I'm like, there's poop everywhere. He literally had poop in his hands, right? I don't know why I'm telling you this right now, but I'm too far in. He has poop in his hands. And so I panic. And so I pick him up and I hold him over the sink in the bathroom. I'm just like, rub your hands, Micah. He's like, ah. And so I just turn on the water and he's just rubbing his hands. I'm like, all right, wash your hands. I go, he's not washing anything. He's just making wet poop. And so I just, so I just take him. I go, I'm just going to go throw him in the bathtub, right? And so I go and I go over to the stairs and I go to go upstairs. And I can't go upstairs because the poop is on the stairs. He slid down the stairs. And so I go up the stairs and I, I just, I jump. I Superman that thing. I jumped up like seven steps at once and I bust into the bathroom. Gregory's downstairs. He's like, can I help? I go, don't move. If you step in poop, you're dead, mixtape, right? So he's just standing there in my hallway, not moving. And I go and I'm sitting there in the bathroom I'm late for small group by this time. All right, for all my homeboys that make fun of me for being late, you come clean up the poop, right? And I'm there, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to take off his clothes and put him in the tub. I can't take off his clothes without getting the poop just all up his back. I mean, his head, and it was just dung. It's for real. And so the priests, the priests are coming with the smirks on their face. And they're like, you know, haha. Yeah, God, yeah, we love you, God. And they're just going through the motions, and they're just piling trash on the altar. They're going through the motions. They go, oh, yeah, God, we love you so much that, uh, hey, get that animal that can't see anything. Hey, get the animal that's going to die with rabies anyway. Hey, get the animal that doesn't have all of its back legs. Hey, get the animal that can't reproduce. Hey, get the, God, we love you so much. Here we go, God, right? And God's like, you think I want that? <laughs> you, you, you think that pleases me? Come here, let me show you something. I'm going to take the dung from your sacrifices and spread it in your face. 
This is a graphic metaphor here, okay? Why is God so mean? No, he's not. This is serious. These are the people that are supposed to be teaching others how to honor him. He loves people. He, lo- he, he wants to see none of his people perish. He wants to see none of his people going astray. So when the people that he's put over them, the shepherds are leading in such a bad way, you better believe he's getting upset. You better believe it. These are his people and they're leading them the wrong way. And so what he's doing here, right? He's not just being crass unnecessarily. He's saying, I'm going to disqualify you from being able to do this because a priest has to be clean, right? A priest had to be ritually clean. And he goes, you know what, come here. I'm gonna spread dung all over you. Not only is that a symbol of shame and showing how dirty they are, he's like, I'm gonna show people on the outside how dirty you are on the inside. And I'm going to disqualify you. You are no longer fit to be a priest. That's why he's talking about dung here. Pretty cool, huh? You're already disqualified in your heart, so let me just seal the deal and show everyone how disqualified you are. You are not a good leader. You are not a good priest. You're disqualified. It's dumb. There's some graphic metaphor going on here. Can you get the feeling that God is mad? The priest, they've messed up epically, and they're paying the consequences. But I want to show you a cool nugget here before we move on. Look how cool this is, okay? This is pretty cool. Look at verse four. We can't miss this. So shall you know that I have sent this command to you. So, or so, so shall you know that I've sent this command to you that my covenant with Levi may stand. Everybody say, may stand. Even as he's rebuking the priests even as he's threatening to spread dung in their faces. Do you see how hopeful and loving God is? He goes, guys, I'm telling you this so that somehow, maybe just possibly somehow, you would get it through your thick skulls and I can keep the special agreement going on. God is calling them out on this because he loves them. And ultimately, love hopes all things, right? It sees the good in people and he's like, I just, I'm telling you this command because I love you and I want this special agreement to stand. I'm calling you out, and no, I'm not mean, no, I'm not, I'm calling you out with tough love here, with truth, so that you can be the person that I've called you to be. Students, this is who God is right here. God calls us out because he loves us, and he wants us to change. God calls the priests out, not because he's like, yeah, I'm gonna crack them now, right? No, no, he calls them out because he goes, guys, I'm calling you out, I'm giving you this command so that, so that maybe this could stand. Students, when we call you out, when God calls you out on your garbage, right? When when one of your youth staffers, your small group leaders, or your friend or student leader, when they come up to you and go, hey, I just gotta be honest with you, like, Cole, this is not appropriate for a Christian, dude. That's garbage. That's not the way it's supposed to be. Whoa, look, who's you to judge? Oh, man, why are you being so mean? None can judge me. Only God can judge me. And we have all this garbage in culture, but in the family of God, God calls us out, usually through each other, because he loves us. How many of you have been called out by a brother or sister or a parent, somebody who loves you? How many of you have been called out? How does it feel in the moment? It sucks, right? How does it feel a week later when you realize that they just saved you? You appreciate it. That's who God is. God calls us out because he loves us and he wants us to change. So the priests, they failed epically. They're experiencing the consequences and he's calling them to change. And so if he's gonna call them to change, he wants to remind them, here is what a good priest, here's what a good leader is supposed to look like. You guys wanna see what it's supposed to look like? You wanna see how they're supposed to be functioning? Check it, verse five. My covenant with him, referring to Levi, right, when he set up the special agreement, my covenant with him was one of life and peace and I gave them to him. It was a covenant of fear. And he feared me. Remember the kind of fear we're talking about? He stood in awe of my name. True instruction was in his mouth, and no wrong was found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and in uprightness, and he turned many from iniquity. For the lips of a priest, you know what they should do? They should guard knowledge, and people should seek instruction from his mouth, for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. This is how priests were supposed to operate. 
This was God's plan. In the special covenant, in the special arrangement, he said, I'm going to bless you with life and peace. I'm going to bless you with a life that is sweet and and the blessing that comes from serving God in this special role. There's going to be a wholeness. There's going to be a wellness. There's going to be a protection and a sweetness that characterizes your life as you serve me as a priest. That's what you get. It's a covenant of life and peace. And the other half of that arrangement, what you're going to do is lead people to honor me. And the way that they're going to lead people to honor them, it's very clear here in the text, we see this. God's plan, lead with your words and your examples. Lead with your words and lead with your examples. Let's look at the text again, right? This is how a priest is supposed to lead. The first thing we see, they lead others with their words. They lead them with their teaching. Look what it says, verse six. True, what's that word? True instruction was in his mouth. Not construction, they're builders, what? No, instruction. This is referring to the law of God. God gave them instruction and the priests were supposed to truthfully relay that. You see that? True instruction is in their mouth. They guard knowledge. How cool of a picture is that, huh? Like the picture is that they're protectors of knowledge. They are a safe. They're like a a library on steroids with locks, right? So much so that if anybody ever wanted to know what God taught, if anybody wanted to know what God thought about something, they should be able to go to who? The priest. They guard knowledge. And so people can seek instruction from their mouths. In other words, they're the go-tos. The priests are supposed to be using their words to lead. So everybody, take out your pen right now. I want you to write on your right hand, or if you're a left, or righty, write on your left hand. I want you to write on your hand, one of your hands, words. Write it right now. With a pen, not with your fingernail. Write it. Write it and then pass it. Come on, everybody, write it right now. On your hand, I want to see it. Words. Words. You don't bring a pen to youth group? Always bring a pen to youth group and your Bible, right, girl? And your Bible. All right, here we go. Family chaos. Who needs a pen? Very good, Kennedy. You got it. Who needs a pen? Write that on your hand there, buddy. Let's go. I'm sorry. Oh, it's a very expensive pen. Oops. Hey, that's a very expensive pen. I need that back. Thanks, buddy. All right. There you go. No, don't bleed. Nobody bleeding. Okay. Words. They were supposed to use their words. These are supposed to be go-to people who know truth and who can teach God's word. Students, here's what I want you to understand, right? As you look at the picture of how God's people are supposed to lead, there's some serious implications for you. If you're in middle school, if you're in high school, there are some serious lessons you need to learn right now in this moment that are gonna impact the rest of your life and your children's life forever, okay? And here's what it is, guys. Pursue leaders who teach God's word. Well, I mean, he's really cool and like, I love the way he dresses and like the lights are just so spectacular and like he has a million followers on Instagram. So like, you know, he's good. What? The way that God's leaders are supposed to lead, they're supposed to use their words to show people. They're supposed to have instruction. They're supposed to be people who teach God's word. Students, you need to hear this, okay? You need to understand this. There are false teachers out there who are not concerned with giving you God's word. Oh, but there's a cross on top of the building and it's a really big church. Welcome to the 21st century. There are people in this country. There are people with podcasts and YouTube channels and Instagrams and radio shows and they, and they have a million people in their church. There are people who have a lot to say and that doesn't mean you should be listening to them. Pursue people who teach God's word. That's one of the marks of a true godly leader, of a priest here. Where are my seniors at? Juniors and seniors, raise your hand. Dude, oh, don't make me cry right now, man. Do you know what the statistics are for students leaving high school and then they leave their faith? Do you know why that happens? Number one, perhaps they were never really taught the gospel in high school. So hopefully we have that one covered. Check. You have a good foundation. You have the milk and the meat. But a lot of students, they, fought, they stopped following Jesus 
because they don't plug into a local church while they're in college that teaches the word. They don't plug into a local church in college that teaches the word. But I have a Christian school, and so we have chapel four times a week, and so that's my church. It's not your church. Your church needs to have godly leaders who are eldering you and shepherding you and are teaching you God's word and are helping you discern truth from error. It breaks my heart, man. I, just, I was just having a conversation the other week with, these, with two girls that I had graduated a couple years ago on their way at school, and they're telling me this nonsense about how one of the teachers helped them understand that in the Enlightenment now, we understand that the words of the Bible aren't really like authority. They're more of like poetry. Where are her elders? Where are her teachers who she can go and process with? She's not in a church. Well, I just kind of believe that if you're sincere, Sam, like I, my teachers taught me that like if you're sincere and you just really believe with all your heart that like everybody will end up in the same place. That is not true instruction. That is the opposite of true. That is false. God's plan is this, lead with your words. That's what he tells leaders. And so students, follow leaders that are teaching God's word, please. I don't care if they have pizza every Thursday night. I don't care if they have a really cool track club and a rock climbing group. If they're not teaching God's word, deuces. I'm out of there. The next way that they're, that they're called to lead, they're supposed to lead others with their example. So on your other hand, I want you to write example. I want you to write the word example. Shh, look what it says. Stay with me, stay with me as you write it. Look what it says. This is referring to God's original plan. He walked with me in peace and uprightness. The priests weren't just simply teaching, right? They weren't simply supposed to pass on words. He says they will walk in uprightness. They will walk in peace. And you know why? Do you know why this is important? Why it's not just words? You guys all know why. Because if you're on a team or a class or a family, hey guys in the back, let's put the balls away and sit down, huh? Robbie? Jacob, let's put the, drop those balls and sit down, all right, bud? Thanks, buddy. You know why this is so important that they walk? Because everybody looks to the leader. Everybody follows the leader. Imagine, imagine you're in here, right? And I'm like, hey, guys, we don't go on our cell phones. That's just not who we are, all right? Whatever you do, that's just the rule, sorry. We don't go on our cell phones because it's kind of a big deal, all right? Whatever you do, not on your cell phones. Um, so anyway, where was I? Um, right? What did I just communicate to you? I was speaking louder with my actions and my words. I was communicating to you what the real standard is, right? It's just kind of in word, but in reality, we can do this. Everybody follows the leader. And so it's super important in God's eyes that these priests, that these leaders lead by example. Because when you're a leader, people will look at your life. They will learn what is acceptable and appropriate by looking at the leader. And so the leaders of God's family, they need to be not just, walk, they need to be not just talking the talk, they need to walk the walk. And then look at the result. Look what happens in God's plan when a godly leader is using his words and his example. Look at the result here. Look what it says. He turned many from iniquity. Many people left their sin. Many people turned from their iniquity and started to follow God and live in fellowship with him and honor him, not with trash, but with their, with their speech and they're honoring him with their thoughts and their, and their, their purity and their, their decisions and all these things, their responsibilities and their relationships. They're honoring God because the leader led with his words and with his example. That's the result. That's the result. Words and example. But unfortunately, that's not what the present leaders are doing, is it? That's not the pattern that the leaders in our text are following, is it? They're kind of actually doing the opposite. And so let's look what that says. The last couple of verses. 
but you have turned aside from the way. You've caused many to stumble by your instruction. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts, and so I make you despised and abased before all the people, inasmuch as you do not keep my ways, but show partiality in your instruction. What are the two things that a godly leader is supposed to use? Shout it out, come on, what are the two things? Your words and your examples. And so we see here that these leaders have actually corrupted that plan. They've corrupted it. God's plan is to use your words and your examples, and the priest here today, they've corrupted that plan, and they're doing the opposite. Look what it says. They don't actually lead with their teaching. It says, they've caused many to stumble by your instruction. It says that they're showing partiality in their instruction. Check this out, guys. Like, this is the leader called and set apart in a special arrangement to teach people how to follow the path with God. They're not only not teaching them how to follow, they're actually causing them to fall. Right? And not just by accident, by their instruction. The things that they're teaching them, the things that they're not teaching them, you know what they're not teaching them? Do you see what they're not teaching them? It's this word right here. It's very important. Partiality. That means they're teaching them whatever they want to teach them, and they're not teaching them what they don't want to teach them. I call this pick-and-choose theology, okay? Right? You go to the supermarket, and you're pushing your wagon, and you go, I like this one, not this one. I like this one, this one, not that one. This, oh, you know what? That one makes my tummy uncomfortable. I'm not going to put that one in the basket. I'm going to keep going here. I like this. This is not a grocery store that we get to walk through and do pick and choose theology. We do not get to rip pages out of our Bible that are uncomfortable. We don't get to skip verses because I really, I kind of don't like the implications of that one and so I don't want my youth group to know that one. That's what they're doing. They're not giving the full counsel of God and the result, people are stumbling. You know what the biggest safeguard is? against me, for you. You know what the biggest safeguard is? Expositional preaching. Sam, please explain that word. I don't understand what it means, but my neighbor doesn't, for his sake. For his sake, I will. Expositional, meaning exposing. We preach, and for those of you who are new to citizens, you're like, I've never even heard of the book of Malachi. What is this? What we do is we pick a book and we go line by line and we expose it, right? We expose it. I go, I'm gonna pull it back, and I go, let's see what God is saying. And so I'm only authoritative, I'm only worth listening to to the degree that I expose what God has to say to you guys. And I try to get out of the way. And friends, there are churches, and I said it here, there are people that they speak, but they're not worth listening to because they come into the pulpit and they go, all right, uh, what do we get here? You know what? We're actually not going to need that today. I want to talk to you guys today about love and the seven different types of love because we all need love and we know this world needs love. And if we just had more love, the world would be fixed because we all love. Man, what are you talking about today? Love. What about it? I don't know. But it was awesome because it used a lot of video clips and it's movies. Can you figure out how I feel about this right now? There are preachers, I'm sorry, there are speakers, right? That they step into a pulpit, friends, and all they talk about are their pet peeves. Because that's all they want to talk about. And so they create a congregation that is very strong on their pet peeve. Well, Sam, I just really feel like we should talk about this more at youth group, because this is so important. If it comes up in the text, we'll talk about it, honey, right? If it shows up in the text, we'll talk about it. And the cool thing is, the more important something is, it usually shows up more in the text, and so we'll find those things every week. But something that only shows up once or twice, when we get to that book, then we'll get to it. The biggest safeguard for you guys, for my personal pet peeves and my opinions and my soapboxes, right? It's the Bible. If we go line by line, verse by verse, and we don't skip anything, we'll have the whole counsel of God. Make sense? And so we're a community that we do not tolerate anything other than explaining the Bible. 
Don't go to a church that does anything other than explain the Bible. Seniors, please promise me right now. Promise me. Put your hand on your heart. Promise me. Promise me. Literally, put your hand on your heart. Say, I will not go to a church. Are, is this metaphor? I'm literally, use your vocal cords right now. Say, I will not go to a church. I will not go to a church. That does not preach the Bible. That does not preach the Bible. Because I can guarantee you, if that church is not preaching the Bible, people are stumbling. People are not running the life that they're meant to run, following God. For those of you who are thinking, you're so hypocritical, this is a soapbox. It's not, it's in the word, all right? They're, they're called to guard knowledge. And that's not what's happening here, all right? So look what else has happened, right? They're supposed to be leading people with their teaching, but they're not. They have pick and choose theology. And then the second thing, they're supposed to be leading people with their, but they're not. They're supposed to lead with their words, and they're not. They're supposed to lead with their example, and they're not. And how do we know that? Because he says it right here. You've turned aside from the way. <laughs> no wonder they're causing people to fall on the way. They're not even living on the way in the first place. You have turned aside from the way. Students, last, last application here, all right? Leaders are called to lead with their example. And so my, my plea to you is follow leaders who are godly, all right? Please, follow leaders who are living on the way. If a leader is not godly, he cannot take you to the place that he's never been. If a leader doesn't know how to commune with the living God, he cannot do anything to help you do that. Anything that happens in that ministry is in spite of that man or that woman. Follow leaders who are godly. Most of you know I'm a pastor, right? I went to pastor school. And so in pastor school, you hear a lot of horror stories. Can I just be real for a moment? Like, dude, you hear horror stories. Like, you hear about guys who have been in ministry for years. Like, there were guys that would come and speak to my school and teach us how to be pastors. And we find out three months later that they had a moral failure, right? We found out this one guy who was traveling, and he was even boasting. How did we not see it? He was there, and he talks about, yeah, I travel all over the world, and I just, and I'm doing things, and I'm away from my wife 40 weeks out of the year, but you know, I gotta do what I gotta do, and yeah, because I'm changing the world. He's sleeping with his assistant. There are pastors, I mean, look at, I mean, every month there are pastors who are following, there are leaders who are not godly, they're not following the path. Well, Sam, everybody's a sinner. That kind of sin, that kind of turning off the path, that doesn't happen one night when you wake up. That shows a lack of godliness. You don't wake up one day and murder someone. You know what I'm saying? You don't wake up one day and say, I think I'm gonna have an affair. I think I'm gonna smuggle money. I think I'm gonna get addicted to crack cocaine. I mean, this just, it shows a walk in the wrong direction. Follow leaders who are godly. Because if you're not, do you know what that does to you? Where's Chris? I remember Chris, we shared a story. Chris was one of my interns, and he shared a story about, he had a youth pastor growing up. Moral failure. And that shook the youth group. It shakes congregations. Because it leaves an entire community of people dazed and confused. Because we all know inside of us we're supposed to follow the leader. But when the leader is not leading by example, when he's not living a godly life, can we trust anything this guy said? Follow leaders who are godly. And so look at the response here. The response of them not using their examples and not using their words, people are not turning from iniquity. It's quite the opposite. He says, I make you despised and abased before all the people. You despise my table. You despise my name. He uses the same word here. I'll despise you. I'll show everyone who you are. I will despise you in front of all the people. You guys bummed out yet? Right? This is the condition of Israel. Welcome to the book of Malachi. This is it. We see that Israel, they're supposed to have these leaders. God has put a position of leadership over them and they have failed epically. How is the sad state of Israel going to ever be fixed if the leaders aren't even getting it right? 
How can anybody hope that anything good can happen to God's family if not even the leaders are getting it right? It's kind of sad if you think about it. But here's the good news. You turn your pages, a couple pages to the right, and we find that the Old Testament ends, and there's this page that says New Testament, right? And we come to the New Testament, and we realize that God, in his love, because he loved the flock, because he loved the sheep, because he loved his people, he was going to step in and fix the situation of bad leadership. He was going to fix the situation of a corrupt priesthood. And he came and said, I have a better idea for a perfect priest. Me. And God came to earth, left the comforts of heaven, came to earth, and he put on flesh and he was born. And his name? Jesus Christ. And we find out that Jesus Christ is a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God. God sent a new priest for you. God sent a new leader who would lead with his words, right? Oh, dude, have you read the words of Jesus? He's not simply passing on true instruction. He is true instruction. The Bible says that this dude talks and, he, and it's just different. There's like an authority to it. He's the word of God personified. And he's not simply saying, well, well let me explain to you. Let me give some commentary. I think what they meant was, he goes, let me tell you what it means because I wrote it. I am the word of God. He leads you with his words. And what else does he use? Not only his words, but his, he uses his example. And Jesus Christ, he lived a perfect life to show you what life is supposed to be lived like with God. You want a godly leader? You want a leader that'll never fail you, right? Well, Sam, you're my leader. No, guys, I, I fail, okay? I'm not perfect. I love you guys. I'm living a godly life by the power of the Spirit, right? But I'm not perfect. I'm not a savior. I tell you to follow my example, but only to the degree that I follow Christ. Because if you ever see me doing something that is not godly, don't follow me. If you ever hear me say something, say anathema, rebuke me. But the leader that will never fail you, the priest whose word and example is always true, is Jesus Christ. You want to know how to live for God? Listen to the words and follow the example of Jesus. He's the priest, the perfect priest. And we are a community of students who are learning to follow that priest. And then it gets kind of crazy. I'm not done yet. I'm almost done, but I'm not done. Because it gets kind of crazy. Who's the priest? Who's the perfect priest? Jesus. But then he does something Unbelievable. He said, I'm a priest. I'm, up here. I'm the priest, Jesus Christ. I'm the priest, but I'm going to create a people. I'm going to make a team, if you will. I'm going to build a new priesthood. And you know what they will be called? Christians. Look what it says. But you, Christians, but you are a chosen race, a royal a holy nation, a people for his own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Jesus says, I'm the perfect high priest, but all who follow me, you are also priests. What does a priest do? It leads people and helps them connect to God. You are a priesthood. And so as the band comes, here's the thought, here's the response. If you bear the name of Christ, If you're not a Christian and you're like, hey, Sam, I'm just kind of here to learn more about Jesus. I'm just, I'm kind of new all this and it's okay. I'm not talking to you. But if you're here and you bear the name of Christ, by God's commission, you are claiming to show the world what he is like. And so if you're a priest, here's my question to you. Look at your words and look at your example. Look at your hands. Look at your hands right now. Look at those two words. Look at your words and look at your example. Are you showing people what it's like to follow God? Are you showing people what it's like to worship and love and honor God? You're a priest. And so, so Malachi chapter two, verse one, this command is for you, as he says to the priest. And I say to you, this command is for you. 
Let your words and your walk lead others to God. Let your words and your walk, your example, your lifestyle, let those lead others to God. 